Hello and welcome to the AIPT Comics Podcast, the number one comics podcast on AIPTcomics.com. My name is David Brook and I'm here with Nathan Simmons. We are here to talk about comic books. Yeah, weird, weird change of pace for us, but uh, here on the Comics <laughs> Podcast, we thought maybe we'd open up the, the vault of our brains and talk about some comics. How you doing, Dave? I am pretty good. We're about to end August and yeah. head into the fall season, which I'm excited about. Are you into pumpkin spice? I don't, I don't love pumpkin spice. I like mm. pumpkin pie, and okay. there is one pumpkin spice drink that I enjoy, which is the um, the pumpkin cream cold brew at Starbucks. Oh. And I'm not even a okay. Starbucks guy. There's just something yeah. about something about that drink that is delightful. How about you? I, I'm I'm partial to some of the pumpkin beers, like yeah. pumpkin. Oh yeah, pumpkin's good. You you were the one who told me about that one. I think. Yeah, Yingling tried to do a pumpkin beer oh, for a little God, bit. Did Yingling. you ever try that? No, I didn't. I bought a six pack because it was like on it was like on deep discount also. Like immediately after it sure. came out, I think. Makes sense. And I was like, oh, but it was also when I was broke. So I was like, yeah, I'll buy this four dollar six pack of Yingling. <laughs> and then I, I was I drank it and I think what I said to my dad at the time was, This tastes rusty. Like it was Ooh, like it was, No, that's not good. Yeah, no. It was like <laughs> it was you know, I think they were going for, you know, a hayride at night, but it tasted like an old oh. tire on the like on the tractor. <laughs> You fell off the hayride and you just <laughs> yeah. ate a bunch of nails in the right, ground. Right, exactly. Yeah, I got tetanus. <laughs> well, luckily for you listeners, you don't need a tetanus shot to listen to this show. Yeah, and that is a promise we do make. <laughs> Every week. Yeah. <laughs> this week we have Christopher Cantwell on. We talk about his many comics works right now, like Iron Man, Blue Flame, uh, United States of Captain America. Um, yeah, regarding the matter of Oswald's body. Yes, his new uh, series that was just announced at Boom Studios. Um, hang in to the end, uh, near the, closer to the end or midway point of the show for that. But yeah. before we get to the interview, we recap the biggest news of the week. We review our favorite comics. Yeah. We talk a little bit about next week too. To start, I would say this is the biggest news of the week. Oh, for sure. DC Comics didn't reveal the new Batman writer. No, it was Josh Williamson, the writer, revealing himself as the Batman writer, which oh, right. I thought was an That's, interesting choice. I forgot choice. about that. Yeah, he did, he did like say like, guys, <laughs> check it out. <laughs> Yeah, he did like a three-tweet uh, thread, and yeah. in it, he revealed he'll be taking over from James Tynan, who I think two, two or three weeks ago now revealed that he was mm-hmm. off Batman in November. That'd be his last month. Uh, Josh will be taking over along with Jorge Molina on art and Tomeo More on colors. Yeah, Josh is also, coming in right yeah. after the end of uh, Fear State, right? Like immediately right. after Fear State? Mm-hmm. I saw some people going like, hey, what about Jorge Jimenez, the artist? Yeah. But if you look at his 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 uh, output, yeah. he's, he's due for a, a small break to catch up no on kidding. whatever next yeah, arc is. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Josh also revealed they'll be introducing a new villain called Abyss. And we got to look at him um, yeah. on the Batman number 119 cover. Yeah, so Josh is taking over with Batman 118. He also made it very clear that he's very partial to the yellow... Uh, that symbol on the chest, mm-hmm. which is back uh, in December. Yeah, the suit reminds me of the Batman Inc. era uh, suit a little yeah, bit. Yeah, you're right. Um, it's got the it's got the piping on there, but it's also uh, no trunks. Ooh, good point. Uh, no trunks and a and a yellow yellow oval. I love the small ears. I'm a I, I like the suit. I like it a lot. I also like the design on Abyss, which has got kind of a Reaper or Phantasm design. A mm. uh, little bit of a, uh, but also a little bit of like the Peacemaker design. If you if you uh, not Peacemaker, what's the mm. uh, Peacekeepers? The 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 from the magistrate, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The future state villain. 
Yeah. So if you zoom in, like the he's got like a barcode on the front of his chest plate, uh, and mm-hmm. like it's all riveted in. Like it's a really cool design, and I'm I'm curious to see. And I also love. I love the armored top and then like tactical pants on the bottom look. It's very very Arkham Knight. And he's got sandals. Do you see the sandals on he's wearing? He's like oh, a ninja shit, turtle. You're right. Yeah, he's got like a ninja uh ninja boots. I don't know what that's called. <laughs> ninja boots. <laughs> ninja boots. That's good enough for me. Yeah, yeah. I saw I saw people excited for this. I saw people not so excited for this. Um Josh has been on the show a couple times and I think he's mm-hmm. a guy with a lot of great ideas. Obviously yes. with Infinite Frontier going on right now, uh, and I think largely a huge success, and fans really love it. Mm-hmm. It seems like a natural progression from him to go from the big DC event to a to the mainline yeah. book. Yeah, he's he's not. I think to see the, the way I looked at it was I I didn't think he was the obvious choice, but the more I thought about mm-hmm. it, the the more I thought maybe he. It'll be interesting because I uh, I'm really enjoying what he's doing with Robin. Uh, like he's showing that he can he can definitely handle like the extended Bat family, you know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um. So I yeah it'll it'll it, it would be nice to see if that's kind of the focus of this book or if it, if we're still getting kind of you know Batman as a loner. Right. 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 Yeah. He did actually one of his tweets. He was he said it's a tease and it showed mm. Damien in Batman inside the Batmobile just kind of cruising along. Hell yeah. So I suppose he's interested in doing uh, bringing Damien back into the fold as his uh, his uh, sidekick. I mean, yeah, we we know things are gonna change drastically coming out of Fear State, so it also right. makes sense that they'd want you know a new writer to give everything kind of a clean slate. So outside of that, there was some other news as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, Marvel and Somos are teaming up to distribute twenty thousand comics for vaccine awareness. Hell yeah! Uh, and also twenty thousand lithographs. This is all in New York City um, to help, obviously, vaccine awareness, but also amongst marginalized groups like Black, Latino, and Asian primary care mm-hmm. physicians will be giving these out, um, which is huge, I think, and, uh, and really important right now so that our freaking country can get 100% vaxxed, or at least more, more than, what, 60%? Yeah, with all uh, with the spiking numbers and everything. I mean... Also, I, I can't even remember the last time there was, like, this outreach through you know younger people mm. like was the last time like maybe an aids comic or something like that is it as far back as that or maybe something with 9-11 i mean i know we we've had smaller th- we've had things like that for wow yeah i'm trying to think because i de- they've definitely done stuff like this but it's been a while i mean there was that time the avengers teamed up with subway not quite the same thing. I know it's I not get the, it. That's true. It's not the same thing. Uh, and I certainly don't don't think it's the same thing. But I I want to bring up that book whenever I can. Could you imagine if you were a conspiracy theorist and you like you needed to eat one subway sandwich a week to stay alive or something? Uh, yeah. I mean that was that's called uh, living in Florida and working at a strip mall because I did that. <laughs> uh, well, moving on to our next bit of news, John Leguizamo is in fact co-writing Phantom X number one. Yeah. In comics. Um, we talked about this a little bit last week because we were both like, is it really John Luigazamo? It yeah. is John Luigazamo writing this. Um, <laughs> a bit of a surprise, but something I didn't know about Phenom X, it was mm. actually a crowdfunded comic back in 2019. Oh, cool. Uh, that never really came out, and now it is coming out uh, through Image. So anyone who backed that should be excited that it's finally coming out. Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> once again, though, actors getting into the comic scene is is interesting. Who's next, do you think? Is it is it Brad Pitt? It's Brad Pitt, isn't it? Oh, I read a Brad Pitt comic. Sure, why not? 
Or maybe Wes Anderson. Ooh, that'd be a cool comic. <laughs> yeah. Although he's not quite famous as uh, he's not as famous as John Leguizamo, I don't think. Speaking of other industries, Marvel's Midnight Suns is getting a video game. Yeah. Firaxis. Fire Firaxis. Yeah. Um, same same Fyraxis. people behind XCOM. One yeah. Of the important games. So okay, first of all, when this news came out, you told me over uh, text, and I was like, "Wait, what?" Yeah. And I didn't even know what Midnight Suns was, but it sounded rad as soon as I saw. Oh, it. you you weren't you weren't familiar with the original. No, not at oh, all. Oh, wow. No, Midnight Suns was a huge deal for me when I was a kid. Yeah. Uh, I got really into, around the time the the first two Blade movies came out, I got super into uh, old school, or not old school, but like 90s specifically, like Marvel horror. So I was, yeah. I was reading all the Morbius books. Like my dad had a whole collection of Morbius and Ghost Rider and Blade. But like the, the big one was there was a team book called uh, Midnight Suns. And they did like a, uh, like a, a quarterly magazine that like had all them together. And uh, it was, you know, Doctor Strange and uh, Blade, Ghost Rider, uh, uh, Frank Drake, like all, all mm-hmm. these characters, like kind of teaming up against supernatural threats and I ate it up because it was like the closest thing to horror that you could get from a mainstream, uh, right. you know, one of the big two. Oh, that's um, a good point. Yeah. And then this one is kind of like opened up the, uh, uh, you know, opened up the, 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 the roster to some more recognizable characters like uh, Iron Man and Wolverine and Captain America, which is kind of odd. But also right. like, um, like Nico Minoru is in this one from Runaways and uh, uh, Ilyana Rasputin is in this and uh, it's, it looks really fun. And it also hmm. reminds me that, uh, or it kind of confirms to me that Marvel's more or less given up on the Avengers video game. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good point yeah you're right this uh, seems like the next big thing for them for sure and like yeah as a it's like a tactical rpg uh which it's it's interesting because it's not going to play like XCOM. it's a little bit more like action focused mm. instead of like turn-based and stuff like that i think um but we're still yeah, kind of waiting to see what the gameplay looks like yeah i think uh they they said september 1st we'd get the gameplay footage. hell yeah i can't wait I, it looks that 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 cinematic trailer is really fun uh yeah really cool cover of uh of uh shoot what was the song that played in the trailer was it enter sandman oh yeah it was something yeah it was something mainstream for sure i can't remember what it was but like there was a really cool cover that played over it um uh yeah i i I, i'm looking forward to this i mean i keep getting burned (laughs) with marvel games uh aside Mm, from the spider-man games but like i uh i i i want to believe that this is gonna rule I want to believe. Yeah, the original Midnight Suns was created by Howard Mackey and Andy Kubert in 1992. Uh-huh. It featured Morbius, Wong, Dr. Voodoo, Elsa Bloodstone, Iron Fist, Man-Thing, Mr. Knight, Dr. Strange, Scarlet Spider, and Bats, whoever that is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and the... Uh, I, oh, yeah, the other thing is, like, it it has, like, this has, like, Robbie Reyes Ghost Rider in it, which I think is a really, really right, cool touch. Right, 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 right. Um, um, they did also say something about, like, your relationships with other characters in the game will oh, matter. yeah, so they're going to have, like, kind of a... Uh, 
not like a dating sim kind of aspect to it. But <laughs> you you can like yeah you can like level up. It's like social links. Like you can level up right. your like kind of like Persona or something like that. You can level up your friendships with characters, and that'll give you access to other abilities and like combination attacks and stuff like that. Uh, we're hat. We have a hat trick going on right now with uh, oh yeah comics meets movies meets video games. In our next bit of news, oh yeah, Titan Publishing has announced a Cowboy Bebop comic book Woo! and companion books Ooh. to go with the new Netflix show that's coming out in November. And this is a, this is tied into the show. It's not tied into the, the anime. Right. But, uh, surprise news on Friday that it came out. Uh, and also Dan Waters writing the comic. Hell yeah. I am. Yeah. And Lamar, uh, Mathurin on art and the mm-hmm. cover art, but for the comic is by art germ. Like this is, yeah. Oh man. So cowboy bebop might be my favorite television series of all time (laughs) animated or otherwise i love it so much i am so excited for the netflix series um everything i'm hearing about the casting and uh set design the fact that they've got the composer for the original series on board the Mm -hmm. new series like everything seems right to me so i i'm very 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 much looking forward to this i um and then also like the books, like the novel that accompanies it gets in is a prequel. So that gets into like Spike's past that we've never really gotten answers for on the anime. And I know this is going to be like its own kind of thing. Um, but yeah, man, <laughs> all of these announcements were very exciting for me. You know, what was interesting. They made no big deal of it, but yeah. it, the comic is set in the year 2171. Right. And I saw folks on the internet going, wait a minute. Because the anime is 2071, so they push exactly. it forward 100 years for the Netflix show. Yeah. So it's a it's sort of a spoiler, but it probably doesn't matter at all. It's just like the creators were like, uh, there's no way we're going to get Cowboy Bebop universe in right. 50 years. <laughs> well, it's like, yeah, it, like in the in the world of Bebop also, like, I think in the uh like the or like the late aughts or like 2020s is when like the gate disaster happens that kind of makes earth uninhabitable so like right, right. it's like yeah we it's we're in a kind of a blade runner scenario where we're like okay so how far do we have to push this before it's uh you know some quasi believable right um which is one of the you know that'll of... just take people out of it, right? Oh, this is impossible. Well, that's one of the Even things that I love so much about Blade Runner 2049 is that it was a sequel to the original movie. And so there's all these references to like, yeah, when when society collapsed in 2019. And I'm just like, it fucking right, did though. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I was just saying, I was coming to you yesterday about uh, Running Man and how that's set in 2017, 2019. Sure, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, this is so cool. I'm, This is like a good a good time to be alive for a a Cowboy Bebop fan. Yeah, it's 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 uh you know Titan's done a good job with the Blade Runner prequel comics and sequel comics and the uh, and the Doctor Who comics. Like they they do Mm -hmm. some really good stuff with with licensed books for sure. Like Jody Hauser's been crushing it on Doctor Who. Speaking of licensed books, Mm. Boom Studios announced the writer for Power Rangers Universe, which we talked about last week. We were like, who's the writer? Who's the writer? Well, you got the answer. It's Nicole Andelfinger. Who is relatively new to the comics game in a way? They've mm. done mostly uh, comics with like Rugrats, Steven Universe, that part of the Boom uh, oh, package. Yeah, the the, uh, the Dark Crystal comics were pretty good too. Yeah. So, considering that that uh, Nicole has worked on Dark Crystal, likely they'll be great on this too. It's sort of a similar fantasy sci-fi thing going on. Yeah. 
I love the shot of all the Red Rangers teaming up. I can tell you that much. <laughs> like immediately, I'm, I'm getting Forever Red vibes, and I love it. Forever Red, Forever Red. That's that a song? that's an episode of the show that was like their one of their Is anniversary it? specials. All the oh, Red, Ra- cool. it was like back in the early 2000s. All the Red Rangers teamed up. Oh, that's awesome! Yeah, I didn't was, know that. That was pretty rad. That makes that cover even more badass. Yeah, for sure. And yeah, this one has newer Rangers, so I'm just like, are we are we mm. getting this a, a follow up? Um, forever er red forever redder forever ever forever ever that's an outcast joke and our next bit of news the ringo award nominees for 2021 were announced yeah um the actual uh award show takes place october 23rd at the baltimore comic-con um but uh, yeah so this is if you don't know uh, the ringo awards are fan and pro voted on for mm-hmm. as, as far as the nominees once the nominees are in though it's pros only who get to vote mm-hmm. um so they've got best cartoonist best writer best series uh no surprise on best series you've got um department of truth oh yeah far uh, sector far sector laura olympus from webtoon yeah my deepest secret from webtoon making me think god damn why don't i read web- webtoon Yes, um, I had the same reaction. I was like, I really need to. I really need to read more webtoon. Isagi Yojimbo, IDW, Wonder Woman, Dead Earth from DC. Yeah, which I never got around to Dead Earth. I need to. That's a. Mm. That's something I need to check out for sure. Yeah, and it's only like four or five issues, so it's yeah, a, it's a, and it's all self-contained. It's a mm-hmm. whole other universe kind of thing. Perfect. One cool thing about the Ringos too, I like, is that they have a best single issue. Yeah. You don't really see that at most award shows. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Probably really part in part because it's so hard to pick just like five single issues because right. there's so many great comics every every year now. But uh, there's stuff from Boom and Image and mm-hmm. uh, yeah, check out the full list on aptcomics.com. Um, since it is fan voted on, it's like it's a double edged sword to me. One mm. is could people have cheated <laughs> and like. Oh. Got bots to vote for them. Sure. And then the other one is like, the other side is, well, you know, it's cool that fans get to vote because you don't usually see that either. Right. And then in our last bit of news, Comicron came out this week with the full July sales report. Mm-hmm. And surprise, surprise, business is up uh, 13%. <laughs> Every time we talk about sales, it's like, it's doing great. Folks. Yeah. Doing better than last month. Yeah. Uh, sales are up, even though there are almost a hundred less comics out in July. There was 495 comics in July tw- 2019, and there's 406 comics this uh, this year for July 2021. But uh, we've got X Men as yeah. X number one as the highest selling comic with 248,000 sales. Dang, good lord. Where is Spawn? Is did remember how Spawn had like a billion sales? Is that on here? No, I don't see it. Maybe it didn't come out in July. Hmm. Oh, no, there it is. Well, no, Spawn number three twenty is mm. eighteen on this on this list here with sixty thousand sales. But yeah, I mean these aren't these aren't really surprising uh, top sell. I mean Extreme Carnage kind of is a little bit of a surprise, but I I I, I always expect to see Batman and Spider Man in the top five, and Sinister War number one was like a huge deal, so it makes sense to me that that's yeah. like in the top five. And Berserker continues to be in the top ten the most Berserk sales. <laughs> it's nice to see Nice House on the Lake though on here. The second issue is eleven. Yeah. Uh, and oh, I guess it's sort of a surprise. Mom, Mother of Madness is seven, but mm-hmm. with Amelia Clark's name on it. When I went to my comic shop uh, two weeks ago, they had a couple of the variants, and they're like fifteen, twenty dollars yeah. each. 
which could uh, attribute to why for for dollars, yeah, Mom, Mother of Madness was five, uh, the fifth highest selling. Yeah, there were a couple of uh, there were a couple of variants for Batman eighty nine that were a little pricey as well. So I'm expecting to see that, especially because the book also did really well. So I, I'm expecting to see that in the in the uh, in the top list soon. And, and since we're closing in on Nick Spencer's Amazing Spider-Man run ending, yeah. and that being 15 and 16 on this list as far as units sold, mm-hmm. I'm very curious to see when the new creative team comes in if we see Spider-Man in the top five. What do you oh, think? Yeah. What, what's the over-under on that? Oh, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, for sure. Go to Vegas right now. Put it all on lucky number <laughs> all black. All on Spidey. <laughs> but yeah, no, um, it's, it's good to see. I mean... Comic-Con does fully admit like they don't necessarily have the mm. full picture because they can't get all the data now that Diamond isn't uh, isn't the only uh, distributor of comics. But they're, they're doing their best, and they, they do a great job with this, and, mm-hmm. they're, and they're consistent with it too. But it appears as though the comic industry is still doing quite well and doing better every month and year. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and speaking of doing really well, we're going to go into our Top Books of the Week segment where we mm-hmm. talk about our top two favorite comics out this week. Nathan, what is your second favorite comic of the week? My second favorite comic of the week was Ninjack number two by Jeff Parker and Javier Polito. This series is just so much fun. Um, mm. It's super bright and colorful. The action is fluid and crazy. Uh, this issue opens with Ninjack out of costume, fighting against a trio of supervillains, each with the names beginning with G, so they call themselves 3G. <laughs> <laughs> or G3. Uh, <laughs> yeah. it's, a, it, it's, it's such a silly, over-the-top concept. We get an introduction to the main villain of the arc called the Kingmaker, who uh, comes out of a pool in a Speedo and just has kind of like a, a very Batman 66 or Bond villain-style introduction where he's monologuing to a, a group of investors and has a guy burned alive <laughs> in front of everybody. Oh, my it's, God. It's so over-the-top and wild. Um, but man, this, this book is just, it's so much fun and nothing else looks like it right now. Oh, totally. Polito is just amazing with, especially the colors. I love the colors Polito's using. And it's interesting because I, I know that it's not, it's not working for everybody. Um, sure. and I, and I think, I, I don't know it for me, it's, I, I just, I absolutely adore it. I think it, it looks so interesting and vibrant and Polito Mm. does really cool things with like, uh, minimalist backgrounds, you know, like sometimes just painting a, a background a single color and that makes certain elements stick out even further. Um, I it's yeah, it's a really cool looking book. Every every page almost looks like a work of art. Yeah, yeah, everything pops. And like to your point, like it's 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 so non traditional Ninjak style mm-hmm. of art. Uh, Ninjak's always traditionally been like that hyper realistic, yeah, for sure style. And, so cool and no gadgets. Like, he's literally just, like, mm. jumping from train car to train car. At one point, he, like, lets someone throw him through a window just so he can pick up some glass and throw it in their eyes. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's so good. That's awesome. Um, also, the lettering rules. Like, there's some great sound effects throughout this issue. Like, uh, sometimes uh, sometimes the whole background of a panel will just be, like, a crunch or, you know, some kind of, you know, uh, shattering sound. Nice, yeah. It's it's a, it's a fun series. I can't wait till it's collected. People are gonna really enjoy it. I think one so package too. Yeah, for sure. And and each issue, uh, 
picks up immediately after the the last. So I I'm I think I think it's going to be really fun to revisit this in trade. My second favorite book of the week was Robin Number Five by yeah. Josh Williamson and Gleb Melnikoff. Um, I have been dipping in and out of the series, but mm-hmm. I, I picked this one up and reviewed it for the site and. It's it's a great starter for what's to come because there is this Lazarus tournament coming up. Yep. And uh, I, I, apparently it, it, they throw down in the next issue, um, but it's been building, all building towards this. But in this issue, Robin is not on the island anymore where right. this tournament's going to be. He's actually being chased by every almost every Robin ever in existence. <laughs> right. <laughs> and so it's a really cool way for the creators to show how Damien Robin is. Um, possibly better than all these other Robins, mm-hmm. maybe even combined, but also how he's not just, you know, quick and fast and good fighter. He's also clever and he likes, to, he can prey on people's emotions. Right. And there are two different moments where with uh, Jason Todd and then with Nightwing, Dick Grayson, he, he kind of uses emotion to get away from them. He basically he tells them in the start, catch me if you can. Mm-hmm. And, uh, at one point, they, they think they caught him, but they really didn't because mm. he throws a, a motion bomb on them. But it's a very clever uh, connection to not only Jason Todd's past, there's a dig, but then with Nightwing and his past. And it's really deeply emotional. And mm-hmm. for these legacy characters that have run for decades, I was so shocked. Like, it was shocked in a good way. Yeah. Like, the creators made this connection that was really meaningful, uh, even though we've seen them interact a bazillion times up to this point. So... Mm-hmm. Just for that alone, it was such a good issue. But also Gleb's art is just so dynamic and yeah. fun and energetic and highly recommend uh, checking out Robin, especially if you're interested in where Batman is going, because I'm sure this will all bleed into Batman. I, I bet you Gleb will be on Batman eventually, too, next year. Oh, man. Drawing that. Yeah, totally. But I think what everyone is wondering. <laughs> oh, yeah. What and they've been wondering this since the first second we started speaking. Yeah, what yeah. is your favorite comic book of the week? Oh man, my favorite comic book of the week was Barbaric Number Three by Michael Morecci and Nathan Gooden. Um, <laughs> again, just based on sheer fun factor, this this book is insane. Um, yeah, this one wraps up the the first arc. Um, the book's actually going to take a hiatus until the beginning of twenty twenty two, but it. Uh, it really wraps things up in a fun way. It gets you, gives you a little bit, a uh, little bit more history on each of the characters, uh, a little bit more insight into their relationships. So, oh, you know, Owen's more than just this badass barbarian. He's also got, you know, he's got some trauma with him. He's also got some, uh, you know, uh, some family issues and things that he like, like it, it, you get into more into his like psyche and what he's afraid of and and why he keeps fighting when all it. Well, all he wants to do is like to chill out for a little bit. Like he does it because it's right, not because it's fun. <laughs> um, right. And I, um, there's this really great moment, you know, you've had Axe, the, this blood drinking magical Axe throughout the series. And he, he has this bit where he like tells, he like talks to Owen, like as a genuine friend. And he's like, look, I know you don't want to kill this person, but you might have to, I, you know, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll still be around. Like I'll take, you know, we'll take care of each other. Like there's these really great character moments in the midst of the most insane, bloody over the top action sequence. I mean, you're, they're splitting dragons in half and cut and chopping up ghosts. And <laughs> it still like finds time to uh, have these really human moments. And I, I think that that's like one of the reasons why this series is really working for me. It's just so clever. 
Totally, yeah. And it, it leans into all the tropes that we love, but does it in like this fresh new way or or even like like it's self-aware, right? Of yeah, like for what sure. it's doing. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it it set it leaves a few fun breadcrumbs that uh make me want it to be 2022 already so I can read the next story <laughs> arc. Yeah, it's really exciting too to know that they're going to not only have other story arcs but also have like guest writers and artists jump in and yeah, play around in the sure. universe, expand on it. Totally right. Oh yeah, because we're getting some we're getting some one shots in between then, right? Yeah, they haven't really detailed it. They just promised that other creators would be involved. That's cool. I'm excited. I mean, speaking of expanding on universes, my favorite comic of the week was Spider-Man: Life Story Annual Number One by yeah. Chitarski and Mark Bagley. Sort of a surprise. I mean, when it was a was solicited, everyone was like, "Wait, yeah. what? You guys finished that?" Right. <laughs> yeah. This um, is like a side story. It is. Yeah. It's totally focused on J. Jonah Jameson, who wasn't really explored very very often or very deeply in right. the main series and it's it's sort of fitting that he gets his own issue in part because Zdarsky's done a lot with the character um, when yeah. he was uh, writing his own Spider-Man book gosh like two or three years ago now uh-huh. but uh, in this case um, we've got a very it, it opens with a very uh, stereotypical Jameson who's a psychopath basically well yeah I, I gotta say sorry but yeah. like I that was the one thing about one of the things about life story that didn't mm-hmm. really work for me. I was like, I know Zdarsky's written a very human J. Jonah Jameson. And what we're mm-hmm. getting here is like this caricature of what he was like in the 60s. You know, exactly. Uh, and yeah. this mm-hmm. this is really not even a redemption for Jameson, but a redemption for how Zdarsky handled the character in Life Story. Well, that's a good point. Totally. Yeah. Like, because we get to see... Uh, <laughs> Well, he, he committed crimes in the 60s, and uh, we get to see what would happen if, you know, he actually got his comeuppance and was put in prison. Right. So even though a large chunk of this story is set in prison over the decades, it isn't boring. It's it's incredibly compelling, in part because Mark Bagley is so good at capturing human emotion. Oh, the, um, the you know, the quote-unquote acting in this issue is unbelievable. So good, and adds so many layers mm-hmm. to... I mean, other characters, but also Jameson's, you know, internal struggle, his yeah. in a, his inability to get around his stubbornness and his inability to, to see that maybe his own actions are why he's in jail. Sure. And all of this builds towards, of course, this is a comic book. So there is action. There is a fight scene mm-hmm. near the end. But it allows Jameson to be the hero of his own story. And yes. that is then built on, again, in a sort of epilogue at the end, which yeah. connects incredibly to the not only just in general spider-man's journey and it could connect to you know it's not in continuity but it kind of does mm-hmm. but mostly in in this story it connects to spider-man's journey and his inability to give up the the mantle as spider-man it and, really does give yeah. a lot more motivation for where we find peter later in the original miniseries right. too right it, it, you know, I think Zdarsky said in his newsletter this week, mm-hmm. it's he does not like he has a plan to do more of these, but uh-huh. I kind of wish he did because, you know, he could explore other characters that didn't get enough screen time Definitely. in the main event. But uh, it makes you wonder, like, for many series, this is a really cool way to expand on and make uh, make the main story richer if, yeah. if uh, creators ever decided to go back. Uh, but yeah, so that is our top book of the week. Yeah. In our next segment, standout Kapow! moment of the week. Oh, we got a noodling guitar riff. I like that. <laughs> Slap on the bass. What was your favorite moment of the week? 
So mine, uh, it's interesting because normally we try to go for like, a, you know, an explosive action sequence or like a, an emotional yeah. moment in the story. Mine is a, a little bit different. I picked uh, a, a bit from Dark Hawk number one uh, by Kyle Higgins and Juan and Ramirez. Um, I really appreciated the back matter in this book. Um, okay. Uh, Kyle Higgins interviews uh, uh, Brooke Pelzinski, a comic illustrator with uh, with multiple sclerosis, um, because the main character of the book in Dark Hawk uh, has just been diagnosed with MS. And one of the things that they wanted to do with this book was clear up a lot of the misconceptions about the disease and how it can affect people in different ways. And uh, and so each issue is going to have a, a conversation with with someone that Higgins uh, consulted with. Um, and so in this one, she kind of walks him through the process of her diagnosis and how she describes it to other people and how, you know, it does. It does like disrupt her life sometimes, but also how it's not uh, it, it, she like touches on the ways that it's like changed how she looks at the world, but also how she approaches her craft. And some days it's not easy to to draw. And some days it's, you know, sometimes um, it, it gives her a reason to draw like she wants to, you know, express what she's feeling. And it's it's just this it's a really incredible uh, thing to include in this superhero book, and I, I really mm. appreciated that they did that. Like it, it I, I wrote in my review um, on aaptcomics.com. It's a compelling interview that shows that not only has Higgins done his research, but he's also made contact with people with MS to explain his intentions with the series and the characters. You know, mm -hmm. so it doesn't feel like you know I, I just did this as a performative thing to like. It's not just like I'm not using this as a storytelling device. I want this to be a an honest depiction, and I, I think that that goes a really long way towards uh, legitimizing the story, and also uh, giving a, a platform to people as well. I could see why this is your moment too, because it's so rare to see stuff like this. In, Absolutely, especially in mainline comics. I think I as soon as I got to the end of the book and saw that interview, I texted you and I was like, "Dude, this mm. is amazing! I love that he mm -hmm. did this. I love that this is in this book." Using um, big two characters, uh, yeah. you know, to help inform people. Yeah, right? absolutely. Uh, my favorite moment of the week was I am I am stuck. I, I wanted to do this <laughs> other one, but now I'm going to go with King Spawn number one sure. by Sean Lewis, Tom McFarlane, and Javi Mart Fernandez. I reviewed this comic this week, so it was kind of on my mind. There's a lot of crazy horror moments in this book. It's basically a scary comic book, by yeah. the way. Uh, but there is a moment uh, in the main story where Spawn is basically playing detective, trying to figure out what's going on with this uh, mm -hmm. bombing that happened in, in the first few pages. And he teleports into this like classic detective's office with shutters. Uh -huh. And he's like, by the way, these two characters are human or humanoid looking, but one of them is an angel and one of them is a demon. Oh, nice. And they, they should not be canoodling. And Spawn appears above their heads <laughs> it, with this like green glow. I think he teleported. It's in a, in a, like a, the, and the room around him is bending. That is so cool to me. Yeah. When I was reading this, I was like, what is it? Took me a second for yeah. my brain to the figure it out. The perspective is so cool. 
it's such a neat way to show like a teleportation uh, skill. I didn't even know Spawn could teleport. But it also time. shows like he's not fully in the room either. Like it's like he's passing through matter because the yeah. parts of his cape are still trailing behind. Some of it's semi-transparent. It's a really, really cool effect. It really is. Yeah. And it creates like a magical element to Spawn. Who, oh, yeah. So often, you know, he's just the dude with a big machine gun or, you know, big you know, oh, punching I, people and stuff. I think the best Spawn stories are the ones that lean into his powers. Like, I, mm. I the, you know, sometimes sometimes it can get, especially in the early days, it could get very uh, amorphous, like what his deal is or like what the limits of his powers are. But sure. I, I really like when they lean into this aspect of the character. So, yeah, yeah, that's my, my favorite moment of the week. I, I, I read so many comics, but there's always like two or three moments where I'm like, holy shit, that's, that's different. <laughs> right. In our next segment, Top Books for next week, we're going to talk about our most anticipated comic out next week. What do you got, Nathan? Uh, I'm really looking forward to Demon Days, Cursed Web number one uh, by Peach Momoko. This has been a really cool uh, little... alternate universe version of uh, of the Marvel Universe. And this issue um, brings in uh, the Demon Days uh, versions of Mystique and Sabretooth and Spider-Gwen. Uh, so I'm very much looking forward to seeing how that works out. There's been a very cool fairy tale mythological bent to this storyline. And I don't really know what to expect other than it seems almost like a... Um, Almost like a a Red Riding Hood riff, like uh, Mariko's oh. in the in the woods and she comes across a wolf and uh, and all these you know these monsters. Uh, so I, I I don't know. I can't wait for this one. I I've really enjoyed the the last two and uh, I, we're halfway through the story, so I feel like this has to be like the climax. I'm also looking forward to a Marvel comic out next week. I'm looking yeah. forward to Dark Ages number one. I almost this picked is... this one. Yes, this looks so. Rad. This miniseries was supposed to come out last fall, but That's the right. pandemic happened and screwed over everything. Having gotten a look at it early, don't spoil this for anybody. There's there's a lot of cool big surprises. Basically, Tom Taylor is playing in a sandbox with absolutely no rules. Um, this is not in continuity that I'm aware of. Uh, Eben Quello is doing some some of his best work ever. And combined, they bring that freshness of character that Taylor's really great with. Yeah. With big, big story beats that you just can't get away with in a regular Marvel comic or or DC comic for that matter. So, yeah, it's playing around in the sandbox in a really cool way. I think people will really dig it. It's yeah. And it's a miniseries, too. It's not a huge buy-in. I think it's um, only five issues. And Apocalypse, apparently, will play a big part in it. Uh, moving on to Judging by the Cover Jr., our favorite cover art that's out next week. I picked... Dark Ages number one by Scotty Young. Scotty Young, you know him from all his baby covers. I love Scotty Young. <laughs> I I love I love also love all of his variants because they always they're always for like the most upsetting series. Like I think I picked his alien variant a few months ago. That was you so did. Yeah. yeah, it was super cute. This one's really cool. It's got Spider Man uh, uh, hanging from a uh, traffic light. Yeah, with and, all the lights out. Yeah, all the lights are out in this universe and. He's cast in blue with a blue sky behind him, but just ever so subtly you can see, like, you can make out that he is Spider-Man and not the sky. It's, like, a nice distinction. And there's a really cool city behind him. I'm just realizing the city is just, like, this black silhouette. I am such a sucker for black Mm -hmm. silhouette covers. I love that John Byrne, uh, Peter Parker Spider-Man cover as well. I have that framed on my wall. So maybe that's why I really dig it. But 
it's got a cool vibe. Um, and even though he is like baby form, he's got a big head and a small body. Uh, it <laughs> it's almost like you don't get that baby vibe from it. And it's not scary, but it's ominous, which I think yeah. is a, a key element of what Dark Ages is about. Um, I went with the Aquaman 80th anniversary 100 page super spectacular. Um, there is a variant cover. They, as with similar, uh, as with recent uh, super spectaculars, they've done uh, variant covers for each decade. And the late wonderful Robson Rocha did a variant cover for the 2010s cover. Um, and it's just, it's gorgeous. It's, you know, this triumphant image of Arthur raising his trident and surrounded by, you know, uh, various supporting characters from that era in the comics. You know, you've got Jackson Hyde in a very prominent position, Mira and, and Black Manta. It's just a, it's a really cool, really beautiful cover. And like, man, we... We really mm-hmm. lost something like special with with Robson. Like the his superhero art is just unbelievable, and uh, I I love that run on Aquaman. So I was really um, happy, but like you know, also sad to see this. But it it's just it's such a gorgeous cover. Yeah, and all the DC comics this week, Robson uh, they had like a tribute to him at the, in That's the back right. of every book. Yeah, what an incredible loss. I mean, and an incredible so talent too. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah, this is a cool cover. I love like the montage look. It's mm-hmm. almost like a movie poster. It really is. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's it for judging by the cover, Junior. In our next segment, Christopher Cantwell joins us. We talk about Iron Man, Captain America, Blue Flame, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. More and more. Enjoy. Christopher Cantwell, thank you so much for being on the AFPT Comics podcast. Thank you for uh, thank you for having me. It's been nearly a year since you were on last, and I, you know, you've got so much going on since we last spoke, and we're going to get into a lot of that. But I wanted to start with regarding the matter of Oswald's body. <laughs> yes, uh, that was announced actually exclusively on AFPT. Can you tell us a little bit about this new series and how long this has been in the works? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know. Um... I'm big fans just as a comic book reader of Boom. And I think Eric Harburn reached out to me, gosh, maybe, maybe a year ago, something. I can't even remember. I feel like all time blends together now with the <laughs> For sure. and everything. It's like, like five years ago or like yesterday. <laughs> um, yeah, Eric reached out and was like, you know, we'd love to do something with you if you have any ideas. And, and it was uh, it was something I kind of cooked up, you know, precisely to pitch to him. Yeah, I guess that was that was that must have been almost exactly a year ago because right when the pandemic was starting, and um, you know, I was uh, I was on a TV show that suddenly was not going to be shooting in the summer. So I was like, well, what am I doing with my time? So right. um, yeah, it, it, you know, the Oswald uh, book comes out of you know my my probably almost lifelong at this point. Um, just interest and preoccupation and obsession with the JFK assassination as something that's just, uh, that's just kind of out there. I grew up in, I grew up in Dallas. So that was a weird thing, you know, to be a kid, you know, it's a weird thing when a kid, my, my son is eight, you know, and I think he just kind of found out that like there was a president and they died, you know, and you're like, sure. Mm. You learn that and you go, Whoa. And then, and then it was like, Oh, and it happened right down the street, you know, and you're like, what you know yeah, like it's very it's like a shock of reality where you're like ah uh, and so wow, it was yeah. that coupled with my dad we we went and see we went and saw a lot 
on movies when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just something we did uh, as a family. So we would, you know, we would see like upwards of like 40, 45 movies a year in the theater. We would go like every week, sometimes twice a week. And so I ended up seeing everything. My parents also, that means that there was not like a great governor on content with my parents. They were just not those parents. They were kind of like the boomer parents who were like, ah, we're there. So it's cool, you know? Right. And we went and saw JFK and the Oliver Stone film. Yeah. Yeah. And I think my dad too, if I was going to give my dad like the most benefit of the doubt, which is like, you know, (laughs) it would be that like, he must have thought like, Oh, it's a biopic. Like, cause they're not like cinephile. They were like, you know, they just, sure. whatever's in the paper, whatever's playing, we're going to go see that. He was probably like, Oh, it's a biopic. I'm sure they're going to touch on the assassination. Well, you know, but it's, <laughs> and then we, you know, I was nine. <laughs> I was nine book. when I saw like, Oh my God. <laughs> like you go in that movie and it's like Tommy Lee Jones is painted yeah. metal, like doing anal, you know, like beating <laughs> someone with a chain. And you're like, yeah. That's like taking hey, someone to Oliver Stone's know? The Doors and being like, oh, it's a music movie. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, do, you like, do you like music? You know, like, you're going to love Oliver Stone's The Doors, you know, so. <laughs> so it was, it's got the it was guy from intense. Twin Peaks in it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's got Iceman from Top Gun. Come on, it's going to be fun. Right. Um, so, yeah, I mean, like, in that, I think that just, just struck a nerve with me, obviously. I was way too young. Um there are no men uh, painted metal beating people with chains in this, but uh, just kind of, hey, you know, there's always there's always the next book. Right. Um, Iron Man, actually, <laughs> that's coming. Uh, we're going to be doing that in Iron Man. Um, oh, perfect. It's, it's going to be pretty, pretty amazing. Uh, no, I was going to say that it was something that stuck in my head. And then, you know, maybe, gosh, 10 years ago at this point, you know, in my other life as a screenwriter, mm-hmm. um, I wrote a script that ended up on the on the blacklist, which is kind of like best unproduced yeah. unproduced scripts of the year. It comes out every year, and, and I had done a script with my partner Chris Rogers, um, who I created Halt and Catch Fire with, and this was right as we were writing Halt, the pilot, and uh, we wrote a, a kind of conspiracy thriller that was set from the perspective of um, a Dallas patrolman that was on the ground. So it was like very much ground level, not like high level operation anything like that you know we don't even name people really it was but i wanted i wanted to make it as as plausible as possible so we did a lot of research and that was just that's just kind of just been in my head forever all that research i did i mean just reading the warren commission and all of those things and so but even in even in my research the thing that did not come up that was kind of something more that was newer that i discovered a few years ago probably was that they dug up Lee Harvey Oswald in 1981. Like a lot of people forget that even with the JFK assassination was there was enough of the rumor mill kind of churning that at the time Marina, his, his widow said fine. And they went out to Fort Worth and they dug him up. They brought him to Parkland, which is a hospital that he died at and Kennedy died at and said, and checked him out and said, yeah, no, it's him. Um, and of course, that satisfied no one who thought that it wasn't him in the right. ground. Of course not. Of course. Um, that's what they just want us to believe. So um, <laughs> there's, there's something there's, there's something there that I thought was interesting. And again, yeah. to do something kind of ground level. And again, it's, it's, it's for me, I, you know, Texas is a place that I, I couldn't wait to leave when I was 18, but I do miss it a lot. Um, I miss parts of it, you know 
some parts I certainly don't miss. Um, but um, this is kind of my attempt to write something about all of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and I think it's fine. And and the tone is definitely offbeat and kind of strange. And you know, it's it's also like in the vein of movies like Blood Simple and stuff like that. Oh, so, fun. Okay. Yeah, I've had a, I've yeah. had a lot of fun putting that together. Yeah. Well, you know, you said you you did a lot of research, kind of diving into different conspiracy theories. We're both pretty big conspiracy theory junkies. Um, did you did you fall down any like rabbit holes where you just were like, I I have got to, I've got to stop <laughs> looking into this, or else I'm just gonna keep going off on other paths and never get back to the story. Yeah, no, I mean, I think it. One, what's what's fascinating about that, and it, like as somebody who like I, you know, I have pretty intense uh, obsessive compulsive disorder, so that you talk about a brain that needs certainty, right? Like that's something we'll never be certain about, just because of the combination of the way it was investigated, when it happened, the availability of electronic media and its quality yeah. at the time, yeah. all of that stuff. Like we'll just never we'll never have all the answers to it, which is right. what's kind of crazy. There, there'll never be certainty. That said, like, it's pretty clear to me, like, what happened, <laughs> if you read it, it's like, it's, you know, it was this guy, and uh, he was pretty upset that he was kind of a, you know, loser low life, and and decided that he wanted to not be one, and and I think that, that, that to me, that to me is, that to me is mind-blowing, right, and I think it, you know, there's the theory that conspiracy theories come out of our human inability to fathom coincidental events like that that are so catastrophic that we have to then search for order and build our own narrative that then makes more logical sense to us that it's almost like a salve to the psyche but i did i have did come i've come across a couple things where i was like hmm you know like that that doesn't make sense you know like why did that you know like where you're like oh there's a couple things that i still think of that i I'll still, whenever this stuff comes up with people anecdotally, I'll be like, oh, it was Oswald, you know, there's three shots, blah, blah. But I was like, let me tell you these two things. And then people go like, (laughs) 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 I thought about if the movie had ever gotten made, I was like, what if I, what if like I ended up as one of those kind of like, oh, you had a cardiac event. It was very strange. You know what I mean? I was like, but I was actually murdered, you know, because I knew too much. Just got in his car and left one day. Yeah. yeah, exactly. They never saw him again. It was so <laughs> You need to be careful about that stuff. Mm-hmm. Right. So Chris, with regarding the matter of Oswald, she could fly uh, fight or flight on the way in October. You've got two Marvel titles ongoing right now. It's fair to say this is probably the most comics you've ever written at one time. Yeah, I would say that. I was I I I only did this for myself and my own edification in terms of how I was feeling, like nose to the grindstone. Uh, I don't, I don't try to do like volume, but I, I think as of a few weeks ago, probably before I turned in Iron Man 15, I had written, um, or no, as of Iron Man 15, I had written 25 comic book scripts in 33 weeks of the year so far this year, which was, wow. wow. And I was, I was, <laughs> I've, been, I've been feeling that somewhat where I was like, you know, it was like where it really was the voice in my head going like, how much do you like comic books? Do you like them? Does it hurt? So yeah, I think it was, I'm, I'm almost, I'm on the, um, I'm writing the second to last uh, issue of Oswald. I've, I've obviously finished wow. um, Captain America, the yeah. United States of Captain America. So like some of those are coming off my plate and there's just like, 
I kind of got signed up for a bunch of little mini series at the same mm-hmm. time. So um, yeah, it is the most I've ever, <laughs> definitely the most I've written. So it's, it's been a lot. With, with you writing so many comics at the same time, um, how does it compare to writing television? Is it, is it harder in a, in a way or is it more work or is it less work? It's um, well with television, if, if I'm writing episodes, um, well, one, there's a collective group of writers. So, you know, those episodes are getting broken and it's a lot of brain power. But once the episodes are broken, then those episodes are getting assigned out to a writer. And there's trying to keep track of, you know, all the episodes in a season, you know, in your head. So it's like Paper Girls or Halt or something like that. It's like, okay, you're doing six. What happens in six again? This. Okay. And seven is this. And I'm finishing the second draft of two. So then you're going to do that. And then we're going to break seven. All of that's happening. But with comic books, it's um, just at least in this kind of maybe unique situation I'm in, it's mm-hmm. like I'm jumping genre and the characters. And so it's like different. It's like different series and I'm the only writer. So story-wise in my head, it's it's a little crazy where it's like, okay, like Tony's here for Iron Man. Uh-huh. We're here for Blue Flame. You know, now I'm jumping back over here to Oswald. And then like, and then there's different steps in the process to like, the lettering pass is coming in for Captain America four. And I'm like, Oh, okay, let's go back and make sure that the lines make sense for this. And, you know, I, making it track from one issue to the next is sure. um, difficult. So it's been a little, a little, oh uh, God. Brain melt. a little brain. Yeah, melting, okay, okay. But it, it sounds like it. Yeah, it, It's still great. Like in it, yeah. I'm at my max at this point. I feel like I, I wouldn't, I think at one point I was writing six books at the same time and, and that's dropped. I think a couple. So oh, wow. um, yeah. doing there's a, there's a, there's another boom book that hasn't been announced and there's a book for aftershock and they're both smaller, cool. but um, and I'm ahead on it, everything. It's also that oh, too. Good. Like it's mostly, it's mostly my anxiety, right. Where like, I'm going, Oh, I, I need to, what I like to do is make sure that the artist has they're obviously the book they're drawing. Otherwise I'm fine. <laughs> sure. uh, like, and then a full script after that, that's been approved mm-hmm. that they can reference or know, you know, and that's just the cushion that makes me feel comfortable. So that's true for all the books I'm on right now, which is, which is good. Yeah. Well, nice. you know, since you met your max, I gotta say though, like are there any bucket list books where you'd be like, okay, I'll, I'll take, I'll take one more on just if I get to write this character. Of course. I mean, like there's, <laughs> I'm sure there's a couple of Marvel books that they came and said like, do you want to do this? I probably, it's so hard to, well, I mean like, I, not that I've ever been in the position to do so. I mean, mm-hmm. like, but like, it would be really hard to turn down something from Marvel. I'd be sure. like, I'd be like, no, you know, like, that's so hard to do. <laughs> Not for um, me, thanks. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm good. You know, like, and I, I have a couple pitches with them um, yeah. that are still alive and well that I, I almost get mad when I find myself preoccupied with, you know, with that where I'm like, oh, what if this could, you know, like, or right. sending Tom Brevoort something like, I had this idea, you know, and I'm like, stop it, you know, <laughs> don't, yeah. Life is work, especially for Americans, I think, right? Yes. Yeah, it's a little too much. But uh, but yeah, but I I, I never I never want to get to the place where I'm stretched too thin where I where sure. I can't focus on what I'm doing. But but right now I'm I think I'm at a, a comfortable place, you know, especially with yeah, Captain America great. being done. Yeah. Yeah. So I feel okay. Yeah. Right on. Nice. There's a certain cosmic entity that shows up in Iron Man number eleven. I'm just going to say it, but spoilers, uh, Living Tribunal, yeah. 
How rad was it to write this character? And was he always in the cards for the story arc? It was amazing to write him. And I, I those cosmic kind of, you know, Jim Starlin era characters, yeah. I love. And, you know, it was secretly, it was definitely where I wanted to go with Iron Man. And part of the pitch was, I want to start him very much kind of standing two feet planted on the ground. Yeah. Like that was part, that was, that was the pitch from day one when they came to me, you know, I'm going to say, let, he's going to move here. He's going to get a little apartment. He's going to boil himself down to one suit and say like, he needs to find out who he is again. Yeah. Cause I wanted him to go crazy through the roof. I wanted it to, I, I wanted to arc it into the cosmos. Um, and you know, we'll, I'm sure we'll talk about it in a second cause it's, it's out now too, but, um, yeah. So like it, I wanted to start from that place because that's where I wanted the arc to go. And it's not where it's going to finish. It's going to, it's something he's going to have to pass through to actually answer the questions and figure out the things he, he decided he wanted to at the very beginning of the story in issue one, which was like kind of, you know, for lack of a better question. And I think even Patsy Walker Hellcat gives him a hard time about the like, who am I question, right? Like, Tony kind of figuring out his humanity again after his AI experiences and the stuff with Arno and all of that that's happened in before with Dan, um, Dan Slot's run. It was a gauntlet I thought would be really interesting to push him through ultimately um, so that he could figure out what it's like to be human, you know, and I think that, or, or remember, you know, I think it's really that. Yeah. And so uh, the, the tribunal was fun and that was a great way to kind of, tease some other stuff that's coming with what I will say even some some more um abstract entities of the universe oh, which I think will be ooh, really exciting Tony 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 bugging those people people <laughs> entities uh right. amusing to me you know what I mean if there was yeah, ever something sure. that would bug them you know what I mean I think <laughs> it would be Tony Stark so that was so cool in 11 where he's like, he knows my name. Like <laughs> a God knows my name. Yeah. And then he, I think it's even, I think, yeah. Cause I saw you guys were talking about how it's like, it was, it was like a prop. It was a deus ex machina, but like literally like a God in the machine in the story yeah. was like, yeah, that's what it is. It's like a guy comes and is like, there's this huge insane thing. And we need to like, you know, stop this story and move you mm -hmm. to that one because it's so uh, absolutely nuts what's about to happen and so um but there's another the thing with the abstract entities and this is something where i was just writing like the last issue i was writing is like uh -huh. they probably have what's cool about them is even though they can kind of be petty and bicker and not know everything there's always this kind of vague thing that they may understand where things are headed and what's happened and, and you know like future past you know like present and have a sense a greater sense of, of um, the fate of things more than the mortal characters. Right. So right. they play a role in it, but they're also, it's fun to write. It's fun to write things that are like, you know, time, you know, whatever, you know, yeah. and then give it some lines, <laughs> I, yeah, but like I am uh, the universe. <laughs> <laughs> eternity says, you know, uh, so I think that that's been fun too, but, but it also playing with that being, being honest with the fact that like, they don't, don't know everything. Right. Which mm. is also, also right. Right. And the uh, Iron Man 14 solicits out and it sounds like you really are putting Tony in that position, so to speak. He's going to, um, I don't want to, it's so weird. You know, it's weird because it's with the, with the solicits. 
Right. You know, like, yeah, it's like, it's like a spoiler, but it's like, you don't know how, how we're going to get there. Like we have to be satisfied that that, we know that's going to happen, but we don't know how we're going to get there. And that's like the best you could have. I think even, I think, was it Jonathan Hickman was talking about like the subsect of it all and how yeah. he misses the days of like, you walk up to the rack and you pick up something based on the cover art and you don't know sure. what's going to happen. Um, yep. So like, you know, I, that it would be cool if like that cover suddenly hit and you're like, what, you know, like the Alex Ross, <laughs> right. you're like, what even is this thing on the cover? I think it's, it's, it's not a spoiler at this point that Korvac has been after that same power Mm-hmm. And so it's a, again, this is something that was always in the cards for the pitch was like somehow Tony, you know, may, may stumble into it as well in a certain way. And so nice. what does that look like? Right. Sure. Where it's like, and so that, that is something that will um, not eclipse Korvac, but just change the game entirely. Right. And that was, right. it was another, that was another kind of piece of the arc because it was a long arc I planned, but it wasn't just going to be like, I'm gonna chase this person through space for two years. It wasn't that. It was. <laughs> it was like, what if like all of reality changes for the character at a certain point, and then right. the story is the story is really about that. So, um, yeah, I'm super excited about that. And I mean, like that's that's an idea I had fairly early on, probably inspired by like, do you guys remember the 1990 uh, Marvel Universe cards? Oh yeah. Uh-huh. Oh yeah. Sure. So Where like the power levels. Cosmic Spider. The Cosmic Spider-Man card. Yeah, it's literally Spider-Man soaring through like above New York City and being right. like, "What?" Yeah. You know, and obviously Tony can already do that. So um, it was it was something I thought was interesting for for him because it was it was it just felt new, you know. Yeah, for sure. Well, Robert Downey Jr. might get out of uh, retirement just to do another movie with Corvac. I mean, maybe, I mean after all, oh, man. from your lips to God's ears. I mean, <laughs> how, how long are we gonna? How long will it be? This is an interesting, like, kind of, uh, you know, geeky question yeah. that I think of is, you know, with the multiverse of it all, right? Sure. Like, yeah. like, well, kind of anybody can be anybody now, right? Where it's sure. like that, it gives them an excuse, like an in in story excuse to be like, actually, Captain America is still around, you know, and it's right. played by. This hot young actor, you know, Justin Bieber. I mean, look, we're we're seeing that already with, yeah. with you know, we got the Flash movie stars three Batman. So like, wow. <laughs> you're doing it. That's true. Too, right. And Spider Man is like, here, every, here's everyone that ever played Spider Man is gonna right. be in. like, yeah. Where it's like, we'll never have a Spider Man movie. To like, we can have two Spider Man movies for people. <laughs> You know, and then it's like, what if they were all in a Spider Man movie together, all playing Spider Man, which is right. like, uh, like I feel like if Kevin Feige didn't have the track record and the box yeah. office numbers, he could just sound like a crazy person in a diner somewhere. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Where it's like, yeah, totally. Get this guy inside. He's maybe like kind of cold. Like, get him a blanket, yeah. sandwich. Uh, <laughs> Well, uh, speaking of multiple versions of characters with the United States of Captain America, like what was the new Cap creation process like? I mean, did you have a hand in like curating the different creators who would who would help you know bring these different Captain Americas no, to life? I, I really trusted Elena Smith. Like a lot of she, you know, that was that's one of the. I think that's the first book where they she came to me with. It wasn't. It wasn't how it actually plays out. It was the general concept of uh-huh. of cap of cap kind of with the other guys. You know, the mm-hmm. kind of vanguard four of them, kind of uncovering um, other people who were claiming to be versions of Captain America. Yeah. And I thought that was really interesting, just because 
the country itself is so unique in one, its size, it's, it's, you know, the cultures that are across, across the board from top mm-hmm. to bottom and how different they are. And I was like, yeah, that's interesting because if you have this one guy, like, um, he can do it. I mean, I think that's, what's interesting about Captain America is that Steve Rogers, he can stand for everyone in America, which is cool. And I, the book is kind of about that, but like at the end of the day, he, he's, he knows that. And the other people playing captain or, or, you know, deciding they are also a Captain America sure. know that as well. But it's still like the, phys- the physical limitation of one man in one place at one time. It, but like how his mantle is bigger than, than him in a way, right? Like, um, and it, it's, such a, it's such a huge blanket title, like this Captain America, right? And so yeah. th- that he's inspired people or that people have t- seen what he's doing somewhere else and then taken it upon themselves to translate that in some kind of niche way for people that might not feel that they have a Captain America, right? And so that to me was interesting. And, and yeah, the, the, the other kind of thing I think that was already baked in was that they didn't have superpowers, right? They didn't have super soldier serum. They didn't have any of that stuff. Um, there was no power broker stuff for them. It was like, and I thought that was interesting was like, people were literally just going to take the leap and be like, I'm going to stick up for these people on the train that I live with, you know, or I'm going to do this on my reservation, you know, in Kansas, I'm going to, I'm going to do this in, I'm going to do this and I'm already kind of like a water rights activist in Pennsylvania and, but things are so messed up at night. Like I'm going to, I'm going to go do this because I also think maybe like cap isn't, you know, he doesn't get everything right, which is someone's opinion. You know what I mean? I really loved the character since I was a kid. So to get Mm -hmm. to write that has been great. And also to get to create, have a hand in creating those new characters has been, has been great. And from the beginning, it was, there, there's going to be a, there are going to be people that help flesh those out and situate them in those communities who represent those communities or are part of those communities. And, and that's, that was really special too. But other than that, it was like, you know, it's, it, the idea is like, it's a fun, it's a fun book. Um, it's a road trip book, you know, it's kind of a fun adventure story. Yeah. You can throw a bunch of cool characters in there. You know, we kind of met out the, you know, it's, it's Steve and then Sam and then Bucky comes in, right. Uh, Bucky comes next week in three, John shows up after that. Um, you know, and then it's like, you know, uh, it gets crazy. Like I think five, four and five are really fun. And, and Ron Lim came in to draw four, which is, was really exciting oh, cool. for me speaking silver surfer yes. and Starlin. Yeah. I mean, it was, that was so cool just to see him do that. And, um, it was really special. So, and again, it's the character, the character's freighted. It's a character I was scared to write just because of, you know, well, you know, writing for superheroes and Marvel and stuff. There's a lot of opinions, a lot of fans sure. with opinions. And, and then we live at a time right now that I don't think we ever, I don't know if we ever really haven't, but especially right now, this, there's a, there's a heightened tension. Sure. And, you know, I'm, I, I find myself on a road trip with my family and you know there are people showing up on fox news saying i should leave the country which is like oh wow you know what i mean like that's that's a first you know like yeah, was, yeah. <laughs> it like it was and it, it was people just they, they were ready and it felt like it felt like they had the knives out and like that for those first few pages it was literally just i want to write like a reflective monologue that steve has in his house you know and people were yeah. like 
this person is an enemy of the people, you know? <laughs> okay, cool. Like I had people, I had people texting me that don't read comic books, don't even remember, know that I write them, you know, from my past, like friends, you know, who are like, what, why, what's going on? Like, are you, are you on, on uh, are you on a watch list? Yeah, are you on, <laughs> on Fox right now? And I'm like, uh, oh man. What? Yeah, so That's that, wild. The, the, the rollout of the character announcements sure. has not been fun. Um, in that way, I will say that on a human level, like when pe- actual people like come to the comic book store, to the signings, like I just did this thing for free comic book day out here. And like, there's a lot of people who are really excited about one cap or another or all of them. So that's been, that's been really neat. Um, it, it, you know, which yeah. is, that's, 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 that's most of it. It's yeah. that vociferous kind of contingency that, that at the beginning was, it bowled over a lot of us. I think all all the create all the creators on the book were were a little blindsided. Everyone was like, "Well, oh, oh, like I mean," and, and and a lot of them caught it way worse than I even did. You know what I mean? I was yeah. a little insulated, so um, it sucked. But uh, but it's good, good to hear you've been getting more you know positive like one on one feedback. That's that really- some of the letters that we're going to publish in the back of the issues are really, I mean, eye opening and potent and and. Awesome real and and some of these letters that alana sends through are they kind of blow us away where you're like i can't you know this guy's like i i am you know i'm gay and and i spent some time homeless as well for similar reasons because i was not accepted by my family or community and and to see someone like me or from the places i live stand up and fight for people is like i never he's like i never dreamed that would happen you know what i mean like it felt yeah it felt silly that that anybody would ever they would make a hero character about someone from where i'm from at all and so that's been pretty cool yeah yeah the the thing that's the thing that's really enjoyable about the book is it does it does go to those you know those those dark darker places it also you know it it has a lot of social commentary and there's uh representation uh, uh you know from from the the different caps and um, but it's also super fun. Like there's a lot of like really fun yeah. action in it. And like you, you touched on this a minute ago, it's got like a, a road movie vibe to like the pacing. And uh, yeah, it was like, it's like, it just felt like the a road movie feels it's so American. Sure. You know what I mean? Mm. To do that. And um, you know, it's like one way to, it's a real way to kind of see different parts of the country that you normally yeah. wouldn't, you know, even in flyover country or, or whatever, like you're going to, you're going to all these different actual places. And, and yeah. I, I wanted to go to these different places for various reasons. And, and uh, yeah, it, it's, it's been really, it's, it was a fun book to write. And I think that, I think that like, by the time, like, you know, I think we have three is out on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a super fun issue. You know, it was very freighted and very delicate with having a native American Captain America. Sure. Um, there's a lot of, there's a, there's a lot of, there's a lot of anger on both sides when something like that happens, right? Because it's like, this isn't, these are imperialist flag colors, right? Like, right. I can't argue with that, but like the story that we tell, I think, and why specifically this person does this, I think is resonant. And, you know, he's a Kickapoo Native American. There were two people from the uh, Kickapoo tribe, like the kind of senior council that came on as consultants for the book. 
that's great. These two guys were also like huge lifelong Marvel fans, uh, Captain America fans, but they just get, you know, every single detail right and make sure it was correct, you know, along with Darcy Little Badger, you know, like the people that, you know, like who helped create that great Joe, that character and, and get it absolutely the, the place where it made sense. But, you know, Darcy caught it from both sides and it was, it, 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 it's tough, but it also, it still feels okay. Like we, we tell that story and, and the character feels real and the character feels believable in the Marvel universe. And um, it made, it made sense to us. And, and also like, I think you give these characters some really cool heroic moments and like, like I, I, I end up loving that character. You know what I mean? Where it's like the character coming in and saving, you know, Steve's neck at some point in a cool way and giving them like those big, like cool hero moments in Marvel. It's like, I don't know, man, it, it sells it for me in a way that I think is fun. And again, it, again, like you said, it's, it's ultimately, it's a fun book. It's, yeah. it's Marvel it makes comics. it more real, right? Yeah, exactly. It's, it's Marvel comics. So it's, it's fun. And the bad guys that get revealed are, <laughs> I think the bad guys that show up, um, I think we revealed one of them at the end of two, but like mm. uh, the other ones that show up in, in uh, once hinted at in three, but then in four, the full plan kind of comes to the fore and it's, it's a, a, great group of people that you love to just despise so like i think it's the uh is it the wally world uh mascot (laughs) (laughs) i had to make the joke i had to make the joke i'm sorry yes it is the uh, sorry folks we're closed for two breaks for pure innovation (laughs) um switching gears to the blue flame um it's incredibly impactful how you've juxtaposed this cosmic superhero story with a smaller real world story how did scripting this series shake out? Was it always these two concurrent stories going on at once? Yes, I, I think that you know when I when I conceived of the idea, it was those two lenses. That was mm. the idea of the book. I that book that book it's probably the the heaviest in terms of stuff I've done in comics, and that, and that includes things like some of She Could Fly is pretty heavy, but. Um, you know, that book was, came out of my feeling of real helplessness, I think around the end of 2019 and it's before the pandemic even. Right. Mm -hmm. So like one of those, one of those moments where like we all have, where you kind of just go, um, especially when I I say we, I mean like comic book readers and, and, and writers and, and, and creators, like where it doesn't seem to, the juxtaposition of, of the comic book and real world sometimes feels so vast and there's a gulf yeah. between them in terms of, we just talked about Cat being one man, one person. How does he, he represent everything? How does he defend these things? And so yeah. Blue Flame, I think, is more unflinching in how it looks at that and says, um, the, the, the question I was really asking myself in that moment of kind of despair was, are mm-hmm. the, the idea of a superhero even relevant anymore? right have we have we have we devolved past that idea of heroism you know like and so i wanted to explore that on the ground in the milwaukee setting with sam you know in his real life and then and then also in this cosmic version where we can really get the sense and get everything that a comic book can do visually um to give this the weight to the stakes of life and death in a different way right like yeah. 
this idea of can can a person can we save the world still right like and can we like let's see that in a kind of almost didactic setting that is very evocative of you know what we all love about comic books and then also kind of counterbalance it with the real world we all live in and try to rectify the two right and so that that is really um the, the, that bifurcated lens is is that's I, I talked about that with Adrian Wassel, I think from the first day we started talking about the idea. Um, um, and I, that was the one I went into that one knowing this one will be, I wanted to do something on a, on a writer front that was literary in a way that um, I hadn't done before. And also I wanted to just um, kind of not look away from the fire for a, a, see if I could do that in a book. Sure. You know what I mean? And not pull any punch. And some of it is uh, very dark, <laughs> yeah. but I think I wanted to always have it be um, counterweighted with a sense of kind of beauty and wonder about mm -hmm. being alive, which I think is what the cosmic setting does. And in some of the smaller moments in the kind of more <laughs> mundane setting do as well, right? Like just the relationships yeah, sure. with him and his sister and things like this. So it's, it's, uh, it's definitely a, it's a tough book to write. I know for Adam, he sometimes, <laughs> you know, he feels a little, uh, he feels a little messed up, you know, after drawing some of it and, sure. and then Kurt will get the pages and <laughs> to color. And he's like, Kurt, Kurt, is great. <laughs> Kurt, Kurt is like, Jesus guys. You know what I mean? Like it, Kurt gets it third and he's always like, I don't fucking know. What, what are we, is everyone okay? You know, like we're on this Slack thread. Yeah. He's like, is everyone okay? You know, is everyone feeling okay? Uh, That's funny. Yes. It's like he's entering like a poker match and you guys are like drunk on the floor and he's like, what's happening yeah, here? Like it starts with me, like I pass the script to Adrian and, and you know, who's like, oh, Jesus, you know what I mean? Like I need to sit down and read this. And like, I've, I've typed it out and just been like here. And then he gives it to, he gives it to Adam. Who's like, oh, everything's great. Let me just, I'm going to read this so I can, Jesus Christ, you know, like <laughs> by the time he's been drawing it, he's like he's posting stuff on Slack, like it's up in the Dropbox, you know, and then Kurt, yeah. Kurt's like, let me check, you know, like, fuck, you know, <laughs> so I yeah. think it, it's, uh, it feels like everybody's like on the same page too. Like the, uh, you know, like, like you said, all the cosmic stuff is very like bright and vibrant and, and massive and then all of the uh you know the the more down-to-earth sequences feel uh unflinchingly intimate <laughs> like it, yes. it does feel like everyone is like definitely like vibing together yeah it, there's a there's a vulnerability in the book i think yeah. um from from an artistic perspective for all of us that i think we're we're all in agreement on what it should be i mean i think yeah. even even has like you know coming in to do the letters he the He's care, the exceptional so care he does with lettering is 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 mind-boggling. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's like, I mean, you talk, that that is artistry that's on a, a level that I I'm so in awe of. But like yeah. the elegance that he does when it comes to balloon styles in Milwaukee versus balloon styles in, you know, and it's again, it's stuff you're not just like film or TV. It's like stuff you're not. It's not meant to draw your attention away from the story. You feel it more than you realize it, right? Like totally notice it and and he's just so good about that and like yeah, yeah. 
it's been... he's doing some insane stuff on exo mana war like the the, oh, yeah. the 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 end of the balloon will like wrap around hands and stuff i'm like whoa he did some amazing stuff yeah kurt doing kind of similar things with the palette but then also and not trying to make it so obvious right sure. like where it does kind of blend together where it is a weird book to write because you you know some you know as a writer i'm writing to page flips and things like that mm-hmm. but as the story's progressed i think i just turned in issue six you know and it's like now it's starting to blend together where like you can it's it's written on purpose for you to be in milwaukee on an even page mm-hmm. but your peripheral vision knows that the cosmos is coming back up right and mixing in so that like it's meant to draw the peripheral vision into what you're reading in front of you. Yeah. As opposed to kind of that classic way of like big reveal, you know, like setting change, you know, this is like this, you know, the setting is it's bleeding together. Like that's right. purposeful. Yeah. And then um, also, I, I just thought this was fascinating. The The series has an original soundtrack written by your friend, Aaron Fisher, who I, you named one of the caps after, right? <laughs> yeah. That <was> funny. Like, <laughs> I, I, and that was not like, I'm going to name this character Aaron Fisher. It really wasn't. It was like, I think I was writing it. And this was before we did, we decided to do a soundtrack for Blue Flame. Mm-hmm. And I just didn't have a name. And I kind of like filler put in Aaron Fisher. I was like, Aaron Fisher. And I just right. write something. And I like read it and was like, I still don't have the better one. I was like, kind of works, you know? And so right. I turned that in and then, <laughs> and then, you know, they were like, great, you know, and then, but then it just kind of went, went down the Marvel, like mayor right. belt. And, and uh, I, I had to be like, that's actually a friend of mine's name. And they were like, Oh, they're like, Oh, well, let's have him sign this thing. And my yeah. friend Aaron was like, I wrote it. He's a, he lives in New York city. And um, I was like, Hey, I, I named a character after you. Can you just like, and he was like, Oh, that's awesome. And I was like, I was like, yeah, it wasn't like a, it wasn't, I wasn't trying to be nice. So I was just didn't have a name. Like, <laughs> just just shook like, out that way. <laughs> oh, okay. And so like, he was like, oh, and he like got that. He doesn't care. He just got the one pager legal thing from Marvel. He's like, yeah, okay, great. And he like took a picture of it. And then it's like, it's like, it's the first gay Captain America. Like, and, and yeah, Aaron. Right. It's a big deal. Yeah. So Aaron now he's like, this is, he's like, this is crazy. Like this, cause he went and got the book and everything. And it was it like, people who have read the book you know like they they're like are you named like this is a you have the name of this character and like a couple people have come up to him in new york so yeah but he's he is a musician he's a musician and and he's incredible jazz uh, piano kind of prodigy so i wanted him to do this kind of sparse thing for um blue flame and and what he's put together is has been really really special and uh um yeah it is funny it is funny to see his name in two of my comic books (laughs) sure very different capacities where it's like um but um um yeah he, he's done some really special music and some of the stuff that's coming down the road is really cool yeah awesome uh substack has been in the news the last two weeks i was just curious if you had any thoughts on the platform since people seem to be losing their minds around it oh god um look i it's so funny like those those guys, I, 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 it's so funny in comic books because I love the community mm-hmm. and it's smaller, it's kind of closer knit. And um, I do still very much feel kind of like the new guy at the table, you know, and like when I'm on the Marvel summits, you know, which have unfortunately been, been in Zoom. So I think it perpetuates this a little bit more because I just, I still kind of feel like the new guy, you know, I feel like the freshman mm-hmm. and um, 
I really look up to all those guys so much, you know, Chip and Jonathan and James. I mean, they're, I, as a reader, I'm just avidly reading their books every month because they're the, you know, among the best at what they do. Sure. Um, it is as a reader, I don't understand. I don't really understand. <laughs> I think I'm starting to show my age and I, I where it's like, I, I, I've never been on it. I've never been on Substack. Um, I don't subscribe to any newsletters. I think it ch- I chalk it up to the, the, to- the time I have. I, but I just, I haven't learned to allocate it to kind of new platforms or mediums like that. You know what I mean? Like I don't, sure. I feel like I stopped at Twitter. It's kind of like how I stopped at Nintendo six or no, I stopped at Xbox. The first one, you know, okay, it was wow. like yeah, yeah. Xbox. That was awesome. And then everything that came after it, it I didn't, <laughs> It wasn't that I didn't like it. It was more that yeah. like, it just, it kind of like hit the, hit my forehead and bounced off. You know, it was just like PS4, you know, like what switch, you know, like, and I feel like Substack is, is it was like, what? Like, I feel like I stopped at Twitter. You know what I mean? Like, I don't understand. Sure. sure. And I'm not saying like Twitter mastered the art of anything. You know, <laughs> everything changed. Twitter's the pinnacle. Yeah, Nothing, exactly. no, everything oh, else. We did it. Twitter guys. It's perfect. <laughs> it's, not, it's like, it, everything James said, like James Tinian wrote that kind of great little missive about it. Everything he said about Twitter is true. You know what I mean? In terms of monetizing, not just your attention, but your anger. And I think that, right. that is uh, really insidious um, and, and toxic. Um, so I get, I get a lot of that. Um, I mean, I don't think Substack, <laughs> Substack hasn't figured it out. It's not like, it's not like Substack yeah. is like, the city on the hill that Reagan talked about, you know what I mean? That's not, that's not <laughs> sure. We're going to build a better tomorrow folks. And it's called Substack. It's not, I don't, I don't know if we're, I mean, sincerely. even in, uh, in Tynan's second email, he was like, we we're still figuring this out. Like they haven't even thought it through exactly how they might deliver comics. Not to mention, how would you stop someone from just forwarding to 400 of their friends, every comic book, you know, I don't know. It's, it's a weird thing. It's been, I was, I've talked to my wife a lot about it because again, like feeling like kind of the frosh among these dudes. Yeah. I just don't know. It's like a giant question mark to me. For me, comic books is, are such a tangible thing, you know, Mm. and I, I do, I do feel that working in comic books for the last four years, like, um, I'm real strong proponent of like the small business model. I think like that it's such a hard, tough thing to do. Yeah. And the people that do it, do it um, at least, you know, kind of at the root of all the frustration because they love it. Right. There's, there's such a, that's what I do love about the comic book community is for the most part, there's such a guilelessness, guilelessness. That works. <laughs> there's a lack of guile. <laughs> The lack of guile when it comes to comic books. Like yeah. at the end of the day, like everybody loves this, you know, the stuff, right? Like, yeah. And and I think the shop owners are that to a T. And like getting to know Chris Brady, who owns Four Color Fantasy, mm-hmm. uh, Four Color Fantasies in Rancho Cucamonga, you know, and his employees, where I, I'll, it was one of the, it was a place where I felt the safest taking my kids um, during the pandemic because Chris yeah. was so he was so careful about it. And it was like his, his, it's his business. You can feel the love in that place. And he reorganized the entire store and he's very strict about masks and what he's also facilitates hand sanitizer and all these things. Like he makes sure he brought in a, a, um, 
a local person who sews masks and they sell pop culture masks made of whatever fabric you want to bring them. And they buy a bunch of fabric. And like that person is able to, they moved their tiny little cottage business into Chris's store in the back. And, you know, when when it's better weather, they sell out front. So it's like, it's easier to, you know, it's like, oh, we sell masks for like five bucks a piece, like right outside. You can get like, you know, I got, and and he'll give me, he'll give creators one if they do a signing there for free. So like, I got, got like Captain America masks and Iron Man masks that I only could get at Chris's store. So like the hardcover pro, I really try to advocate for those small businesses and um, you know, I did free comic book day and I made sure we talked to Chris a lot about it being safe and everything. And I was outside, but like, so when it comes to Substack with that, where are those guys? You know what I mean? Like, look, there's not, it's not like for want of product, Marvel is going to continue to deliver like 80,000 books on their sure. shelves every week. And, and DC is going to do the same thing, all of which are Batman title. That's <laughs> going to be like, you know, here. Um, but I do, I do, I do want to make sure that it's not like it's going to go away, but that the, mm-hmm. the tactile, the tactile kind of magazine rack experience is, is super important, but I don't know if I would ever migrate over to something like that. Just be out of fear that no one would mm. show up. Mm. <laughs> that would be that. It's kind of like, how would you guys be like, I'm definitely a person where it's like, I always have the great fear of like, Oh, I, I should have a party to celebrate this. But I was like, what if no one comes? You know, like, what if yeah. no one comes? You know, like, You're so right. You're so right. And then it's like, and it's like, you know, five subscribers, you know, yeah. and like, I have, I have David, but he only stays for two weeks. And then I, you know, he drops off, you know, it's going to be like, oh, <laughs> it's, it's going to be kind of a bummer. Right. Guys- and then you got to wonder, like, are they not showing up because they hate me or what's going on? It's interesting, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's going to be interesting to see how this kind of shakes out. It's still totally uncharted territory in a lot of ways. Thank you for your insights on that. Like it, like I said, it's a it's a it's still this developing thing. It's so wild because uh, obviously we all we're here because we love comics, and it's just uh, you know trying to figure out how that's going to change the game. Um, it's so exhausting that every industry is in flux and continues to remain in flux. It's exhausting all the like, time. I, I, I would been working in one for over 10 years that was in flux. You know, before that I was in kind of tech and startup, which is constantly in flux. And this is in flux. Music has been in flux. Like everything's in flux. It, oh yeah. It's, uh, it's exhausting. We usually end the show on off topic, top shelf, what you're into right now. That's not comics related. No, I'm trying to think I, you know, my sons are super into, my sons have suddenly decided that baseball cards are the coolest thing ever. Oh, right on. Um, yeah, like, so they forced me to dig out, like, some of my, like, really old ones. And I found a couple. But, like, there's some sort of crazy bubble right now in, like, the trading card yes. space. Yeah. It's insane. So to the I, point where there's, like, viral videos of people fighting in Walmarts over them. Okay, it's, so, it's so wild. It's totally, like, it, they feel like it's, like, a perfect pandemic bubble where it's, like, of course people are going to go crazy about baseball <laughs> right now. It's just, like, right. is the world ending? Do I have my rookie Ken Griffey? You know what I mean? <laughs> Right. Like just 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 getting there, <laughs> like it's 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 been uh, it's been crazy. But no, I dug out mine, and I I found out that like some of mine were worth suddenly more than they were ever for decades. Oh, wow. that, that, that market crashed. Yeah, yeah and it was sure. like because I I told my kids I was like you know when I used to go to the comic book store every comic book store sold baseball cards too. Yeah, 
and I collected some baseball cards back in the day, like in the 80s and stuff. So, Well, that's a great time to wrap up the show. Christopher Cantwell, thank you so much for being on. You have United States of Captain America out this week, Blue Flame this week. Thank you so much for being on. Thank you, guys. I really appreciate it. Thanks, guys. <laughs> <laughs>